Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, friends. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. So, welcome to a special and, inshallah, very casual episode of Everyone's Thinking It. I know it's been a break since our last episode, but Amina and I have been traveling over the last six weeks. Um, Alhamdulillah, we were doing Arabic in Egypt and now we are completing Umrah before um, I head home and Amina heads off to study in the UK, abandoning us for six months. (laughs) Why do you have to tell the whole world my plans? Rude, more Arabs. I mean, she's doing other stuff too. She's a, she's cool. But so we set off on this journey like six weeks ago, and before we left, the fear that I felt and the discomfort was insane. Um, I think that's normal to feel because you're going off and you have no idea what type of person you're going to come back as. To leave all your family and friends as well is like a big thing and just completely out of our comfort zone. So. I think like before we left as well, we we all kind of knew that we all really wanted this trip to be a bit transformative, especially like studying Arabic in our home country, seeing all of our families in Egypt kind of we're literally in the motherland as well, which I think is really healing for the soul. And now also the Omra part, which inshallah we haven't done yet, but we're transforming ourselves and getting ourselves ready for it and I think um Egypt was a big part in preparing us for that it's like really surreal even talking about it like right now we're sitting in our hotel bed but literally like just gazing at the prophet's mosque and like alhamdulillah alhamdulillah it's really surreal like I can't believe we're actually here like yeah. <laughs> um how did you feel when you left to Egypt I think I was mostly just excited. Um, we left like immediately after our university exams like, finishes. Four days, five <laughs> days before, like after our exams finished. And Literally. I don't think we gave ourselves much of a break because we went from that to intensely studying <laughs> Arabic and crying about Arabic. It wasn't like a holiday. Like we were there for what, nearly 40 days, I think, in Egypt. And it was extremely intense. But alhamdulillah, like the first week we were there, we just took some time to just do some sightseeing, do all the touristy things. And then we got straight into classes. It was quite interesting once we did the placement. <laughs> I couldn't even understand the test. I actually could not read the test. We go downstairs to give them the test. We've answered like two questions. One of them, yeah, the alphabet and our name. Which I, spelled, I, I spelled my name wrong in Arabic. He's like, Hujaz? <laughs> couldn't even spell my name. Um, Those big elves. They literally, curve. yeah, laughed at us. They like level zero. Temhidi, Temhidi. We were so humbled. We were sitting in um, our class, and Hamza, we had an amazing teacher. Oh, shout out! I don't know if Asma will ever listen to this, <laughs> but I love you. I love you. May we reunite in this world and in Jannah, inshallah, our I mean, queen. She was amazing. She gave us snacks. Um, she'd laugh at us. She literally, <laughs> she literally, literally roast us so us. badly. Um, she like, do you know the final test? I was like, oh my god, I passed. She's like, I don't know how. <laughs> she was so biggest jokester. She'd like read our test in Arabic. She'd be like, oh, why are you saying there's rats in your kitchen? <laughs> the question was like, uh, what do you want in your kitchen? And Amina's like, I want a mouse. <laughs> What? Okay, the word for at mouse and the word for oven in Arabic, they're not even that similar, but they share like two out of three what, letters. Fern and fats or something. What, what did you write? <laughs> Bro, I didn't understand every second word on that Arabic last final. It was so hard. And like, you think after a whole month in Egypt that we'd actually understand Arabic? <laughs> Obviously, we're better at understanding and we can read a lot better and write a lot better. Alhamdulillah, we learnt a lot. But... 
I think what I learned more than anything is like how much I don't know and how much I need to learn. And it's very humbling. Like, come to that. We started the journey, but it's definitely not over. It's literally just the start. The very beginning of the journey. I feel like it's really, we were really blessed to be able to take that first step in our Arabic journey in Egypt. Um, in like our home countries really and kind of be surrounded by Arabic although it's funny because Fusha Arabic which was what we were learning like standard modern Arabic is very different to the Egyptian dialect no one speaks Fusha like spoiler alert it's like learning Shakespearean English and going onto the street where is thy toilet <laughs> like you're talking in a completely foreign language that no one speaks and they'll actually make fun of you like when we were visiting family and we'd be talking to them like, imagine see I mean, Aina auntie. Like we're speaking in this really like, formal. Like, wherefore art thou? <laughs> <laughs> like I was, they were literally laughing at us. Um, in our face. Yeah. <laughs> Very humbling. Also, I think being in Egypt was a whole different experience because we've been there before each of us by us like different times in our lives um but this time around I felt very different because before I felt like I was a tourist visiting and this time I think because we were there for such a long time and it wasn't really a holiday holiday it was like we're there to study and like we were living in an apartment for the whole month and like we were getting groceries and deliveries and all that we're going shopping we're like finding our local messages and stuff I think it was like we were living there and we were like blending in a lot more. Alhamdulillah, wearing a lot more modest clothing. Like last time I went, I was wearing like ripped jeans and I look like Westerner 101. Like I'd get out of the taxi and they'd be like, welcome to Egypt. Happy <laughs> <laughs> this is my homeland. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it was really, I think it was really nice to be able to do it. Not, not that we were locals by any means, but just like kind of feel like we were part of the culture because Egypt is so alive. Like it's really hard to explain verbally. Like unless you've been there, mm. you know that the city literally never sleeps. And it just, it feels like, because there's so many people as well. So there's always, there's always things happening and it's just, I think it makes you feel more alive as well. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It, it woke me up more if that makes sense. Because you totally need to go up to the sleep. <laughs> No, but seriously, we we heard beeping of the cars oh. the entire trip, and it feels really weird to be here right now and not hear beeping because it was constantly like at all times of the night, like you could just that's how they move their cars, just beeping, <laughs> beep, beep, beep. That's how they drive. I think I have Stockholm syndrome because I kind of miss it a little bit. Um, I do not relate. <laughs> So our street got closed, like, for the last couple of days that we were there. And, like, a closed street in Egypt literally means 24-7 beeping. There was not a second that went by that there was not some sort of beep. (laughs) And we really wanted to record an episode whilst we were there, but I don't think it would have worked out with the the continuous beeping that we were hearing. Like, it just would not have worked out. Like, alhamdulillah, the peace that we feel here right now in Medina is unmatchable subhanallah city really puts like medina really puts your soul at ease we've only been here for a day alhamdulillah so far so we got in yesterday and went to go pray fajr at the mosque this morning which was incredible and beautiful it was really actually like the whole thing's been surreal but it was so surreal to be like it's literally 5 a.m we're at the prophet's mosque and there's thousands of people around us like it was still dark outside and there's so many people there for Tahajjud. Like, like we went there early thinking, oh, okay, we're going to be early. Like we said it on, like an hour before um, Fajr, literally walked inside and even outside, it's packed, people praying outside and then you go in. We ended up praying on the floor. <laughs> Big mistake not bringing a prayer mat. <laughs> we'll, we'll bring one next one, inshallah. inshallah. Like, SubhanAllah, I think this is the only religion where the 
amount of dedication that you see from its followers. The Muslimin and the Ummah is so strong and the fact that you can walk into these masjids and they're full at 4am in the morning and people from every single corner of the earth, literally Uzbekistan to China to the India, like there's everywhere, Russia, there's a lot of Russians, yeah, which is really, yes. Yeah, I didn't even know that there's more than 20 million Muslims in Russia. I was like, oh, let me just Google this real quick. I'm like, what? <laughs> this is more than Australia. <laughs> yeah, like Australia's got like 24 million people. That's, That's crazy. It's insane. Everyone's there for the same reason. I feel like it's not often you travel and everyone who travels is going for the same reason. Like, mm. And it's all feasibility, like for the sake of Allah. Really beautiful. Also, shout out to the lady who gave me lollies in the mosque. Which she was like, what? <laughs> yeah. um, why was I not there? Um, I've been noticing really small acts that are so simple but really capture the beauty of Islam. For instance, just like filling up the zamzam because they have zamzam water inside the masjid. Someone's filling up a cup and they'll pass it on to someone and they'll fill up some more and they'll pass it on. Just a simple act of doing that. Subhanallah, that person is going to get reward for all the people who are drinking that zamzam water. Law rewards you like 10 times more like you know what I mean like not going to limit Allah like Allah how many times he would get rewarded because he's like Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim like he's the most merciful and he will reward us inshallah but it's just so many little small acts of kindness that have been so beautiful to witness here it's very true I feel like that's such a beautiful reflection I feel like especially here like Obviously, Allah's mercy encompasses us all the time. And, like, the only reason we exist is because of his mercy and because, like, he's looking at us. But I feel like in the Prophet's mosque, especially, Mm. you feel it. It's like a very visceral feeling because, like, the Prophet is a mercy to mankind and this is his mosque. This is where he, he was sitting. This is where he established Medina out of Allah's mercy. So it's just, like a very all-encompassing feeling and it just to share that with everyone there as well all those like literally thousands of people mm. honestly pretty overwhelming in and of itself really yeah. each of us have sort of been doing our own thing because I think being on Amrah is a very personal journey um, and everyone has their own spiritual connection to Allah and just being here knowing that the Prophet is literally hundreds of meters out in front of us subhanAllah it's amazing and it's such a blessing like we we're trying to watch videos um, to get ourselves into the Amrah mood <laughs> because we're going from Egypt to Amrah it was a bit of a transition and one of the videos I watched from Sheikh Hamza Yusuf um, may Allah reward him was so beautiful because he was speaking about how the whole Hajj experience and Umrah experience is like a physical journey, but you're reaching a metaphysical destination. And how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the Kaaba as the home, but it's not his physical home because obviously Allah doesn't live in a home. It's like a symbolic place for us to visit and to remember him and to visit him and pay our respects. And it's just so beautiful. And even to like know that tomorrow, inshallah, we're going to be in the Rauda, which is described as paradise on earth is so surreal. What are you thinking? What are you feeling about that? I I can't even put it into words, honestly. I just, like, it's it's too much. It's a lot. It's like, Mm. I think I've just been longing for, like, something like this for a really long time. I think it just settles your heart, I think, is the best way I can describe it. It feels feels like you've come home. They kept saying, like, on the way here as well, like, you guys are guests in Allah's house and... And like, like the Kaaba, inshallah, that's what we're going to be. But even like here with the Prophet, like inshallah, like this is just going to be our home with him in Jannah. And it's just like a little snippet of what that could be like, really, just in his company. Inshallah, inshallah, amin, ya Rab. Um, I honestly don't know if I could have ever anticipated being on this type of journey at the beginning of the year. Throughout this year, we've 
each gone on our own different trials and ups and downs. <laughs> the, the laugh, the laugh, because it's like, what was this year? Yeah. 2022 was one for the books, alhamdulillah. Um, but yeah, just like moments this year that I can think back on that I'm like, I would never have imagined that I'd be here right now ending the year off in such a beautiful spiritual place. Literally the beginning of Islam, just being here, you feel like, subhanAllah, like your, your deen and your yakin really grows. Yeah, just thinking back on this year, like I was hating my life in corporate <laughs> life. Like, like it was really, really hard to navigate the corporate scene as a hijabi in Sydney. Um, and I, I don't know if I'll get into that, but like commercial law firms are naughty if you want to have some sort of <laughs> humanity <laughs> and live to, yeah. will to live. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was in a really hard place with that job and... Other moments this year where I was just like feeling a lot, like a very big tension between Dean and Dunya, I think I've been really, alhamdulillah, this journey um, being facilitated so like easily. Like I think it really came with ease and it wasn't something we anticipated. Like we were literally just like, oh, what if we go to Egypt? Because my friend mentioned it to us. And we're like, oh, that would be cool. And then we looked into it a bit. And we're like, oh, okay, we can actually do it. And then subhanAllah, we saw um, Yasmin Mujahid share like a post on face on Instagram about like Umrah trip. And we're like, yo, this is a bit too good to be true. It happens the same week we finish in Egypt. Perfectly. Like, it was actually like subhanAllah, like literally perfectly lined up. We literally left the day after our final exam in Egypt and like also lined up really well with like the New Year's and like Christmas break. So all of us have time off work and stuff like that. So just subhanAllah, Allah's timings. I feel like Especially, like, the idea of Qadr and Allah's decree and his plan has really, like, hit home this trip. Mm. This is, like, so dumb. But, like, like I had, like, a snap memory come up from, like, four years ago. And I just, subhanAllah, like, how life can it's change always those so memories. They <laughs> just, like, bring you back. Humble you. <laughs> Literally. It just it reminds me so much of, I think it's a hadith, but don't quote me on it, where it's, like, um, if Allah, if you walk towards Allah, like, he runs towards you. And I feel like over the last couple of years, like, I've really, really felt that, like, barely made any effort to go to him. And, like, now we're literally sitting in the Prophet's mosque. We're about to go visit his house. Like, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't have fathomed I would be here four years ago. So I just, I feel like I just want to stress, like, never stop walking towards him, even if it's, like, one step, you're crawling on the floor, mm -hmm. like... He will facilitate so much for you. I think it's really beautiful because, um, like, we've all been chosen in a way to be here. Like, we're all guests of Allah and it's very hard to be here and not feel worthy. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like, mm. I think that's something I've been struggling with because it's like, we've made it this far and it's like, why? Like, why me? You know what I mean? Like, why have I been given this opportunity? And like, subhanAllah, all these people from around the world, thousands and thousands of people have come here by the Qadr of Allah and I think it's really important for us to just like take a step back and just reflect on like why has Allah facilitated this for me and like obviously it will make sense with hindsight looking back on our lives but being here at the moment it's really overwhelming because you just I think in just in life in general like whenever something happens to you you have to really ask yourself what is Allah trying to do with me in this moment and where is it taking me and what can I do to help that like it's all about taking action in Islam but it's really hard not knowing what the divine wisdom is. You just have to do your part. Like, yeah. Yeah, just follow his decree. I feel like especially he in like surrounded by his mercy and his prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and his home okay. soon, inshallah. I feel like for me at least, I really just, 
I think Egypt allowed us like at least empty ourselves of a lot of things just because it was such a big like lifestyle change, mm-hmm. culture change. Like it allowed us to leave behind like alhamdulillah a couple of habits that we had in Australia. So I feel like especially going on Omra, really just a chance for us to be filled with whatever he wants to fill us with. So really become like that empty vessel kind of thing mm-hmm. and just yeah Allah please like allow us to be filled with as much light as possible and everything that you would like us to reflect and channel in our lives and inshallah when we go back to Australia as well yes do we want to go back to Australia that's (laughs) the real question dude like this trip I'm like I'm about to move to Medina inshallah like (laughs) please before the Dajjal comes please (laughs) yeah Allah facilitate it for me like Guys, like, you don't understand, like, being on the street in, in Cairo as well. In a Muslim, it's a Muslim country, country in general. You feel like it's like a weight has come off. Not that, like, yeah. Like, oh. just because, like, in Australia, we're literally seen through the lens of our Muslimness. And that's not a bad thing, but it's just, like, <laughs> there's a lot of racism <laughs> in Australia. Like, <laughs> it, it's a very subtle racism, but it's mm. definitely there. And I think knowing that you always feel like an outsider and a stranger in a lot of these spaces, like, you don't have to internalize that reality, but that's still the reality in a lot of the spaces in a Western country. But when you come to a Muslim country, the peace that you feel... It's honestly... I feel like it's just the idea of, like, walking down the street and, you're like, you're not going to get that second glance. It's just, like, completely normal. It just feels so light. Mm. Like, this whole city has felt so light. But also, even in Cairo, you just feel, like, light and normal. Not, not normal in the sense, but just... We it, blend in and yeah. it's really beautiful to just be. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, you're literally just existing and there's no other added pressure. Like, it's just like, how can I be a better person? It's not like, how can I navigate the corporate scene <laughs> and everyone's racist expectations? Like, literally. <laughs> to dismantle everything before I can prove myself, you know? In these countries, you can just be and try to thrive as who you are. Like, you don't have to prove anyone anything. In reality, you don't really have to prove anyone anything, but... Subconsciously, I think we try to do that in the West. Yeah. And like, even if you don't physically have to prove anything, or even if you try not to internalize that, like, there are expectations that are put on you on the West purely Mm. because of the way Islam is perceived. So, and also, I feel like there's something kind of nice about being in a place where everyone like knows the truth. (laughs) They're all on the hug, early trying to vibe with people. (laughs) yeah exactly like everyone's on their journey and it's it's really yeah it's just lovely to see like they have their priority inshallah like they have their priorities in order like you can have a conversation with people when you talk about life goals everyone's talking about jannah they're not talking about like oh yeah i want to go work at deloitte like it's very different (laughs) nothing wrong with deloitte oh yeah (laughs) deloitte's fine if you're into soul sucking <laughs> that, no, that doesn't just not just Deloitte that goes for any corporate firm. Deloitte was just the first one that came to oh mind. My if that's your lifestyle, like it's it's also good. We're just personally we're not just into attacking it. someone. Yeah. <laughs> I think another lesson that I learned from this trip was the privilege that we have. It makes you really grateful for the blessings we have in Australia. Like Australia, subhanallah. I'm very grateful the nature we have in Australia. Like, that's completely something I took for granted. And every time I travel, I'm like, yo, we've got this in Australia. We've got this a hundred times better in Australia. Like, our beaches, our bushes, like, literally you can drive 15 minutes in any direction in Australia and you'll find some natural wonder, you know. SubhanAllah, it's really amazing. and It's something I think we take for granted. Because when we were in Egypt... I think we walked maximum like 200 steps a day. 
<laughs> because you can't walk anywhere. The streets are full. You can't go. There's no side. There's like, there are sidewalks, but it's not really sidewalks to walk on. Yeah, they're more just like streets for cars. <laughs> Crossing the road in Cairo is not for the faint-hearted, let's just say that. And just privilege in terms of how much like, like risk Allah has given us just living in Australia and in the West because... Like, yeah, we might not be millionaires, but we found out just how poor the economy is in Egypt. Like, we asked someone, like, what's the average um, income and stuff? And they're like, oh, 15,000 um, pounds. And we did the exchange, right? And that's literally like $900 or something like that, Aussie dollars per month. Nothing. That's literally what you can make in a few days of working at Woolies. You know, like, imagine a whole month. In like three days work. SubhanAllah, it's really humbling. Crazy. Yeah, I feel like like obviously there's class divides in Australia as well. And perhaps that's something we can do an episode on later because I think we both have a lot of thoughts about that. I think in Australia we're lucky as well because like there is class divides, but it's it's a lot more obvious in Egypt to an extent. And like mm. in Australia, we there are obviously people living on the poverty line, but it's like there is generational poverty, but not in the same capacity. Yeah. I think it was really jarring to see. One of the things um, one of my cousins said, which I think was like, I sums it up really well, is that there's like two sides to Egypt. So there's like the upper class that are living in Egypt, which is what it's known in the West. And then there's the rest of the population that's living in Miss, which is like the Egyptian term for Egypt. And I think that like, yeah, it really just shows the two class divides. It mm. can be a very different place depending on where you're living. Even you drive through Egypt and like uptown Cairo versus yeah. like some it's of the visible, other. Like it's a it's very, very visible, visible difference. Like the roads are way more put together. There's potholes all in the other areas. There's like people crossing every single point there's like people there's animals on the roads there's rubbish everywhere um it's really startling to see the images um that you see when you go into the suburbs um because obviously it's we can romanticize it coming from the west like oh look at these village lifestyle Mm -hmm. but in reality it's very very startling to see these images like we were in the market the souk on like the last few days we were in egypt we were trying to go to el azhar mosque and that day, there's literally all of Cairo. Like, all, all 80 million of them were in that market. Like, it was so busy. It was, it was a lot. It was very overwhelming very because, like, too yeah, there's way too much yeah. stimulation. Like, imagine every moment you're either going to get run over, there's an animal coming at you, or there's someone walking. Like, it's just really intense, and you have to always, like, have your wits about you. One of the images that really stuck with me was when we were sitting down and we were getting, um, I think we were getting, like, sugarcane juice or something. And, like, we're sitting down and, like, people always try to sell you tissues. I think it's a common thing throughout Europe as well. Like, a lot of the refugees and stuff, they sell just, like, those $2 pack of tissues. And they're, like, anything just for spare change. And these people were selling tissues. And it was, like, a little boy and his dad or maybe his uncle. I'm not really sure. That's also another thing. Side note. I always go on these side notes. But people in Egypt really age. Not not all of Egypt, but the poor people. They age a lot faster. Like, there was this taxi driver we had. And I was like, oh, how old are you? He looked like 80 years old. He's like 50. He literally had like no teeth and he was like all white hair. He was really funny. Do you remember him? He's Alexandria. Yeah, he was kind of king, to be honest. He was just like telling us jokes and little facts <laughs> about Alexandria as we drove yeah. down the street. But like, yeah, you can you can see it because like life hits them harder, really. And mm. just we take so much for granted. Mm. Just- and to finish off of that image that I remember in Kanath Halili when we were in that souk, there was like that little boy with his dad. He had these little 
little um, slides, like little shoes that he was wearing. And the shoes were too small for his feet. So like, I don't think he had another pair of shoes. And he was wearing those shoes and like his feet was like hanging off it. Um, And his feet were all black like covered in dirt and his dad also had the same condition on his feet and like they're just like trying to sell tissues like that's the quality of life like that's that's their income like just based on people's generosity and just selling those packets of tissues Allah them. like there's even a whole suburb in Egypt called the garbage city and they're the people that take care of all the garbage in Egypt and they live amongst the garbage it's so startling like in Australia simple things like just throwing your rubbish in the bin and not having to worry about it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we'll know that it's going to be taken on Wednesdays or something. Like, oh, we've even got recycling, you know? <laughs> like, we're like, why is there no green bin? Why is there no, like, we're so picky with these things. Like, in this in Egypt, there's not even, like, rubbish. Like, there are. Oh, that was funny. Do you remember uh, the yeah. guy? <laughs> like, <laughs> scared me. So, in Egypt, they also do this thing where any any basic life task, they try to make money off it. So if you have any task they try to help you with, they'll expect you to pay them, like tip them, even if it's as simple as literally walking two metres just to hold your bag or something. Yeah, you're pressing the elevator button. <laughs> <laughs> like any money <laughs> for the button. It's pretty, it's pretty amusing, to be honest. And like given the quality of life, it's like the least we can do really. But yeah. like it was just like funny at every time. It was funny because like simple things like this guy would be knocking on our door in our apartment and he'd be like, we'd be like, what's wrong? We couldn't, we're like, well, what do you need? And he's like, oh, rubbish, rubbish. We're like, oh, okay, you're coming to collect rubbish. Okay, we gave him the rubbish and he's like, give me money. And he literally walked two metres to the bin and put it in the bin. I was like, we could have done that ourselves. What are you doing? Man was hustling us. Entrepreneur 24-7. Let's go. The OG entrepreneur. Jeff Bezos wishes he could be this Murphy. <laughs> the original Jeff Bezos. <laughs> the OG. Um, he is actually king. But no, it is really startling. Even like we we're standing over at Azhar Park one day and we're just like looking at the city. Oh, that was beautiful. It was really lively. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely and lively. <laughs> and like it looks really aesthetic because it's like the brick, uh, sorry, the mud brick kind of houses and mm. it's like a really nice like orange tannish and it's like in the mountains so it looks really beautiful and I was standing there with one of our friends who came along with us and we were looking like at the at the houses and she's and we're like saying oh like it's really beautiful it's really aesthetic and she's like just really stuck with me because she said something quite profound she was like oh like for us it's an aesthetic and we're just looking at it but those are real lives and they're Mm -hmm. really difficult lives as well like the houses, a lot of them are quite run down. They're not very large. And, like, I was, like, oh, cool. Like, like you're saying, like, village aesthetic, like, small little homes. Mm-hmm. But, like, there are difficult lives. Our and, aesthetic is yeah. their, li- like, literally lifestyle. Literally. Mm. And, like, they're just trying to make ends meet, really. And we're yeah. just there, like, enjoying the view. Like, it really just... And do you know the thing about that view is, like... You can look at that view. It was the most beautiful sunset, subhanAllah. But you can just see the pretty or you can see the reality of the lives that they're living. Like the whole image was actually breathtaking. But if you look closer, it's a hard life. Yeah, it's It's tricky. very hard. But I feel like it's the nature of the dunya in many ways. Like it's very beautiful and there's a lot of blessings. (laughs) Yeah, but it's an illusion. There's a lot of things Mm. going on behind the scenes. And like... They're, like, they still get to see that beautiful sunset every day. So, like, you can really see Allah's mercy in that sense and his compassion and the beauty of this world that he's given us as a little taste of what we could, inshallah, experience in the next life. But, like, the dunya's tough and we're not going to be able to experience real pleasure if we don't have to go through trials and tests. And just alhamdulillah that we've managed to have our tests in Australia where 
there's a lot more comfort with them. Mm. Yes, there are definitely struggles in Egypt, but I don't think that takes away from the fact that they are very happy and content people. SubhanAllah, every single person that I spoke to when I said, what do you love about Egypt? What's your favorite thing about it? I think bad to say, like so many, even like so many of my family, even just people like chatting to us, we were there. We're like, oh, would you guys like leave Egypt? Would you be keen to go live somewhere else? And all of them like, no, no way. Some of my family as well, like my family likes to travel to Germany a lot for some reason and like over Europe. So they've traveled, isn't like they haven't experienced the rest of the world. Mm. Um, Some of them have obviously even come and stay with us in Australia. So they know what it's like and they're like, nothing hits like Egypt. Like the people are connected. They're lively. Like they just have a deep, I think, understanding of mm. what life is really like. I think they're just living a lot less in an illusion than perhaps we are in the West. And Definitely. I think, yeah, there's a lot of peace that comes with that understanding even though they life can be harder yeah and to top it off like you have adhans playing everywhere like being in a muslim country you've got mosque at every corner you know that the people there like yes they might not all be practicing but they're muslim that's the baseline and in general i think it's like one big family yes you meet one or two hagglers and they'll annoy you and stuff like that'll pester you but that's that can be excused very easily given their quality of life but in general, everyone there is always happy to help. And I think the hospitality that we experience, subhanAllah, like people are always willing to give and like they might not have much to give, but they'll still give you 110%. And like you just ask simple things like, how do I get there? And they're like, oh, come along and they'll take you. And it's just like simple things that in Australia, you ask someone, they'll look at you blankly and you'll just be like, okay, you could fall over. Like I remember once, this is just a random side note as usual. I was literally in Punchbowl Station. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> Why would anyone want to be there? But I love Punchbowl Station. I will not take Punchbowl Station. <laughs> the good old Punchy. Punchy. Oh, I miss Men Ush so much and what? Gongcha and Thai. Shout out, bro, guys. Shout out to Gongcha. Shout out to Gongcha. <laughs> Shout out to Cha Time. <laughs> Sponsor me. Oh, <laughs> in the chunks. Oh my god. Um. Yeah, what was I saying? I was going to say a really sad story, so that was a really not good <laughs> Minus going to sponsoring the video. So yeah, I was in Punchbowl Station and I was on the way to uni and as I was standing there, I was walking into the station, I had my headphones on and like I think it's really normal in the hustle of bustle to get getting to work and stuff. Like people just don't care about anyone else it's just like i'm just gonna do what i want to do you i don't care if someone's crying they're just like completely emotionless nothing they don't really care either way i was walking to the station and i don't know if people know punchful station but there's like a bunch of stairs and it's not really accessibly friendly i think they're building an elevator but there's only stairs there's no um elevator at the at that moment so there was an elderly man and he was standing there I was saw him from a distance and he was holding his shopping and he literally fell backwards and he hit his like head on the the wall do you remember this uh, I feel like you told me I told the yeah. story and I, literally the guy fell and he hit his like head and he fell face forward <gasps> so like he hit his nose and his head and like he he was really old he looked like 80 years old or something like that mm-hmm. and he was he fell and I literally saw him fall in slow motion from like 20 meters away. And I saw like six people walk past him and not one of them even looked at him. Not one of them even stopped to say, are you okay? They just thought it's normal for him to be literally lying face down on this brick wall. And he he couldn't get up. And I literally went to him and I picked him up. And I literally was like so sad because I'm like, this man, he had no idea. I'm like, are you okay? Like, do you need help? And he literally was so disoriented and he was bleeding and he just was completely out of it. Like, he definitely needed medical inter- attention. 
I went up the stairs to the station. I went to the, the station guard and I was like, please, please, I, he needs medical attention. Do you have a first aid kit? He needs a Band-Aid, like whatever. And the guy was sitting there twiddling his thumbs and he just looked at me blankly. And I'm like, please, he really needs medical attention, right? Like, what if this man was having a heart attack or something, right? I probably should have just called the ambulance at this rate. Um, anyway, the guy twiddles his thumbs. He comes out of the thing. He puts the first aid kit back in the room. He doesn't even take the first aid kit. What? He goes, he's like, oh, I'll go check it out. He takes literally five minutes to walk up the stairs and get to him. And by the time, because I'm standing on the station um, and I think I had work or something. I had an assignment. I can't remember what it was. But either way, I had to go to uni and I knew that the guy was going to help him. But I literally saw the man. He was waiting there for help. And because the guy was taking so long, he just looked around and then he started wobbling away with his bags and he walked away. And he like wobbling back to his house and he clearly was out of it. And I'm like, bro, one more four and he needs like, he literally would need to go to the hospital. And I was so, so sad because I'm like, no one there gave a absolute, yeah. <laughs> whatever that word is, yeah. like about this man. And it just showed me like the nature of living, not everyone in Sydney, but a lot of people in Sydney do not care. They would not, care for the next person even if they saw an elderly man fall on the floor bleeding imagine that was your grandma or your grandpa and you know that they wouldn't be safe like if they yeah. fell in a public space and like even in covid right there was people who were falling and they weren't getting treated because like they were scared like they literally died because they just didn't get first aid it was really scary. really scary i think like like that's a big difference i think between the west and like in egypt, egypt. <laughs> or even like the the Arab world, I guess, mm. is, like, that idea of, like, connectedness, connectivity, and, like, the fact that they don't... I mean, the the liberal kind of mindset is definitely present. Like, you can't deny that. But, like, it's not, like, that kind of individualistic mindset mm. of, like, I need to do things for me. I need to make my own income. It's very much so, how are we going to do things mm. together? And I think, like, I think Australia has that within our own little communities, but to see it, like, as a nation was just, like, really lovely and just know you'll be taken care of like no matter what happens to you like in Egypt like you literally can go to the next person because they will treat you like you're their daughter I don't know how to explain it like they just they just treat you with respect because they all have daughters they all have sisters they all have moms they have that value on people and especially women they honor their women a lot more basically what we're trying to say is (laughs) we could die in Australia and no one will care okay no shout out to Australia because I do love the place but like it's just very different I feel like it'd be nice to live in Egypt for a little bit and just kind of have that experience for a bit longer. Mm. But nothing nothing hits like Australia's nature. Genuinely yeah. big like big alhamdulillah. So we just need more Egyptians in, in <laughs> Australia. <laughs> um I think overall like the lesson I want to pass on if you made it this far in the episode <laughs> is take that risk because the fear that I felt before I came on this journey was like unparalleled like that night before I was so so scared because I just did not know what was going to happen in the next few months and subhanallah like I have zero regrets like yes there was definitely challenges but I have zero regrets and I'm so excited inshallah to see what Allah has facilitated for me um with the rest of my life because the last six weeks have been subhanallah amazing, amazing. definitely hard but <laughs> amazing and Take that risk, especially when you feel that discomfort. Step into that discomfort and just trust Allah because that's essentially what this life is. It's a test of our trust and our tawakkul and our reliance on Allah no matter what we encounter. So, yes, definitely travel and try to see as much of the world as you can because we are very lucky that we have the privilege to do so.
I agree. I think that was a really beautiful reflection. So kind of like similar, just I feel like especially as young people as well, this is the time to really like fight against your nafs or like your ego. And I feel like you really need to try to empty yourself of things that are holding you back from reaching Allah. And I think like once you start that journey, because it's a lifelong journey, we're never going to get there completely. But once you start that journey, the things that Allah will provide for you to bring you closer to him and to allow yourself to be like, inshallah, mirror more of his attributes is like intense and like immense. So I think it's just, as I was saying, like the biggest thing is just like starting, really starting that journey and making like a big effort to be like, I'm not going to do like bad habits or I'm not going to do things that I know will take him away from me. I'm not going to put myself in places where I know that I'm not going to be remembering him and things like that. Like those little steps, I think they can really transform your life. Like they don't sound like a big deal, but like, just to be in more like in more remembrance of him changes everything, mm. genuinely changes everything. And I think like the biggest thing, especially being overseas and going through this journey so far, so I, like I thought, I think all of us, but like our hearts feel more at peace. Yeah. And I think like underrated how much that can change your life. Even when you're having like a bad mental health day, even when things are really tricky or like we're traveling and it's really exhausting just having that like peace in your heart I think just makes life just so much easier because <laughs> who else do we need if we have him really yeah definitely that's so beautiful I have another takeaway <laughs> I'm all about lessons yes. um but we were speaking a bit before we recorded this that starting the journey of knowledge and like seeking Islamic knowledge and Arabic especially is really important and I don't think we realize the value of it more than when we started like it was definitely very hard to learn Arabic <laughs> but it's, it's something it's definitely really like tricky like but I do think it's something you need to challenge yourself with because like subhanAllah the Arabic is the language that Allah gave us the Quran in for a reason and there's like meanings that we'll never be able to unlock through the English translation not to say that you don't read the English translation because that's literally how I've been reading Quran and understanding Quran for a long time but inshallah we can all reach a point where we can understand what they're saying as they're reciting and crying like the old taters in Tarawih prayer please that's all I want (laughs) Um, but it's a lifelong journey and it's not something that we have to stop doing and I think one of the beautiful things that we were speaking about the other day is like when you start a journey and you have the right intentions like Allah will reward you as if you've completed that journey especially if you die before you complete it so starting the journey of Hebs and Quran and just building up a relationship with the Quran and Arabic and trying to learn slowly slowly because this life is a lifelong journey of just learning and trying to implement as much of that knowledge as we can in our lives so please start your journeys even if it's just like one verse a day, even if it's just one ayah a day, little things make a big difference because it's just those little things. Like imagine you rec- you memorize one page, right? One page of Quran. That's not, okay. That's a lot. <laughs> Maybe just say two verses, right? Like, even a verse, honestly. Yeah. Like honestly, the Quran is like how we're given life. I've been listening to this lecture series. Shout out to Cambridge Muslim College. <laughs> we we love them so much. And it's about like nature and how it's reflected in the Quran and like the metaphors of nature. It was basically saying that like humans are essentially like we are from the earth. We're made of the earth. We just have Allah's like breath in us. And that's like our ruh and the mystery of our like soul and stuff like that. So the way that we are, our soul is watered is through the Quran. So even just 
like reading one verse, kind of reflecting on it, just thinking about it throughout your day, like that is nutrition for us. That is how our soul gets nourished. And I think it's like really important. Like obviously we feed ourselves, even like physical exercise, all that stuff is really important for our human bodies. But I think like just making that slight effort to also nourish your soul and your physical body in whatever capacity, even just like doing something kind for someone, something like that. I think it goes such a big way in just... Yeah, making you feel more like a human again, really. Like the same way after you have a shower, like you just feel like more like a person, like I'm refreshed. I think it like works in a very similar way. Your soul just feels more at ease. Yeah, I think to go off that, I would ask, what are you feeding your soul? Because your your soul needs food as well. Because like your body has demands, your soul has demands. And they even equate a heart that doesn't remember God is a heart that is dead. So... Like, we really want to have alive hearts, inshallah, that is always remembering Allah um, and finding peace in Allah in the remembrance of Him and the Rasul, inshallah. So with that, we will leave you. Inshallah, you took some wisdoms. And I think we'll we'll get more into, like, certain lessons and, like, stories and stuff in some later episodes because I definitely think they're going to be stuff that stick with us. Um, For sure. There's lots, lots more to unpack. This is just kind of our, like, reflections in the moment as mm. we're, like, yeah, sitting here right now. And, like, what's next is very exciting. We're going to be completing Omrah, inshallah, in the New Year's. So we're doing the Rauda visit, I think, on the 31st at night time. And then on the 1st of January, we're going to be going to complete our Omrah, inshallah. So that's going to be very surreal Chala starting the new year off right, even though we don't subscribe to the Gregorian calendar. <laughs> Hijri only in this house. <laughs> I think it's cool to be able to be celebrating, not celebrating, going through the Gregorian New Year's like this. I think Inshallah will set us up well for the years to come. Mm. Inshallah. I hope you guys are having a restful break if you're on break from work and university at the moment. And Inshallah, I think it's mindful to Keep in mind, as Amina was saying, what you're feeding your soul and maybe give yourself some goals for the new year that you want to keep in mind to keep your soul nourished. Um, I don't know. I think it might have been a Sahaba that said it could be a Hadith. I cannot remember. But something like the gist of it is basically like consistency is key. So, again, even if it's one verse, even if it's like waking up and I'm going to do like 10 tasbihs in the morning, subhanAllah, 10 times, like mm-hmm. little things like that. Allah loves those who are consistent in there remembrance so we like inshallah we want to start to have like tiny habits like that that just make us more conscious of him and sticking to them every day when you realize that you're going to die between these consistent deeds it sort of makes you put a lot more emphasis on excelling in those deeds because subhanallah we don't know when we're going to die at any point like it might be in 40 years it might be tomorrow it might be next week but you know like for a fact that it's going to be between your deeds so knowing that this could be your last prayer, this could be the last time you do tasbih, it really makes you more mindful of putting more effort into excelling in those little things because we're going to die between them. And that's also a thing of like you die on your habits. So what habits are you trying to implement in this life? So inshallah in the New Year's, um, we can set some more spiritual goals and try to excel as Muslims. We hopefully will see you guys soon for a proper episode. Like I said, Amina's going to travel around for a bit, so we're not 100% sure when the next episode will come out. Keep us in your du'a. We're going to make du'a for all our listeners on Omra as well. So shout out to you guys for staying with us. Our loyal companions in this life and inshallah in the next. Inshallah in the next. <laughs> okay, ma salama. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Uh-huh.